and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you today? I am well, and we are returning to the uh, sometimes lightly abandoned but never forgotten series on uh, Hegel's Phenomenology of Spirit. We are coming, uh, uh, cratering toward the end, and we were picking up. This is our up. penultimate episode, I think, right? This is the penultimate although i i think like i i don't know if you do this when i at the end of a at the end of a very good television series i sometimes like to to roll it back start at the beginning again and yeah probably i like, do like to do that okay i think we should uh we should actually end with another episode on the preface because the first time we did an episode on the preface we didn't know that we were going to do the entire rest of the book and so what we did with that episode was give kind of like a guide for reading it oh. i think it'd be I think it'd be interesting to go back and do maybe a little bit more nitty gritty with that because I mean, as uh, cause we're, we're getting to sort of the end of this, like um, he thinks differently at the end of this project than he does at the beginning of the project. That's and true. That's, it's kind of proof positive of the idea that he is, is trying to pursue. So this is the religion section of the text. But can I and just add the, one thing? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. He wrote the preface at the end. So it would that's make right. sense to go back and that's right. talk about the preface. That's that's right. And, and it's, I mean, he's, he's also constant. I think this is, this is really interesting. Like you, uh, like I, I start to, to feel a little, little badly about how, uh, how misunderstood, uh, just like the, uh, the Barry Manilow song, uh, that he wrote for Dr. Pepper, about how misunderstood, do you know this? I don't have you ever know heard that, this. No. <laughs> he wrote a jingle for Dr. Pepper. It's amazing. You is have it called to see Mandy? It. No. <laughs> yeah, it's called Mandy. It's about how misunderstood Dr. Pepper is. It's a hit song. And yeah, um, no, he wrote it's I don't think I've ever heard it. I don't know if they've ever used it. They should bring it back. But it's it's his whole claim is that Dr. Pepper. That's the claim of the jingle is, is just misunderstood. It's like a misunderstood soda. It's okay. it's amazing. Okay, I'll send okay. it to you. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. But um, what he does at the beginning of this section, he is doing it constantly. This is something I picked up on this time reading the book is, is he's constantly re-explaining and recapping the book, like the whole, like the whole idea of the project to this point. Like, so that's, that's the, you know, we're going to try to be a little, uh, like a little teleological, a little intentional with how we're working through it. So before he gets into what he calls a natural, uh, or religion and, and, and light and, uh, things like that, he tries to recap the project and the opening pages. And what is he, what is he looking at, Todd? What is he trying to make sure that we understand? Well, he's trying to make sure that we understand that we're, we're tracing a movement from a sense of opposition, right? It's like that, that what, is, what is true is outside of me, which is what consciousness does, to this recognition that the truth is within, which is consciousness, and then the recognition that then the truth that I see outside is, corresponds to the truth within, which is reason. And then what's interesting, I think, about spirit and religion is that they tell the same trajectory, they, they, they tell the same narrative from the perspective first of the collective, that's spirit, which is why I think spirit's the longest section in the book. And then in religion, it's, it's telling the story of transcendence perceived as outside of consciousness. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, that's what he thinks is both the great insight of religion, that it it grasps the absolute in its, as its own, that, that's what it takes as its content. So God, for him, the absolute is God. And so mm-hmm. religion sees that it has the proper content, 
but it mm-hmm. it it acquires this content through the form of what he calls representation or in some translation picture thinking but but mm-hmm. it's always a it's always the form of an externality and that's what religion is limited by so that it takes the absolute as external to it and it it you know you said this to me before that that the what religion is really hindered by is worship right mm-hmm. because we bow down before this thing that is external to us whether and you can't really worship something that's in yourself and i think mm-hmm. that's in a way you could say what's the religion limit of religion it's that yeah yeah and that like and this is a very very and it's very careful it's like very finely argued is that the the worship that and i hegel doesn't use that word but i, I think it's pretty clear this is what he's talking about as the, as the limit is like when you are bowing down to something external, you're, you're missing the, you're missing the game, so to speak that like prayer in a private journey, that's something else. Right. But right. worship as the, as the external, as the externality as the, you know, uh, or what would be another way? Like, like I think it's very easy to see it in terms of like a sacrifice, to something external right. that is missing right. completely the idea of uh, transcendence brought to imminence or, or really just a, a bringing down of the, 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 uh, of God to the, to the common man. Right. Uh, right. You know, it, that, I think it's very easy to see it in that example. It's, it's, it's also, it's still the same in, uh, in worship. Like if, if what you are, if what you're interacting with is completely outside of yourself and it, and, and it could never, it could never be in you. It could never be you. Then uh, for Hegel, you're, you're missing the, 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 the concept exactly. of religion, specifically Christianity uh, 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 brings in into focus. So right. It's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, what he calls the revealed religion or Christianity mm. takes up half of the religion section, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's really, mm. I mean, I think it's fair to say that his entire philosophy has its origin in, in the Christian idea of mm. the God of the beyond coming down, dying on the cross, and thus becoming right. totally imminent. So this, this bringing of transcendence from the outside into the inside so that there's mm. a transcendent within the imminent, that's, I think that's what he sees happening in Christianity, and then that's what he sees as the proper, as the end point or the real game of religion. What's interesting is he doesn't see the way in which that's maybe operative. You could argue, I think, that it's mm-hmm. operative in other religions as well, right? And he doesn't. Yeah. He did. He just doesn't see that. Part of it is because the religions where you would maybe see that, like mm-hmm. Hinduism, especially Buddhism, to some extent, I think, uh, they're just not. He just doesn't have enough awareness of them. At the time, so no, it's 1807. He, t- he doesn't really know, and yeah. the, the textual availability is pretty limited. I mean, it's not totally barren, but it's pretty limited for him. So there just there just wasn't. He just doesn't have a sense of that. But I think today, yeah. I mean, I think there is something unique about the Christian idea because it's that, especially that notion of the divine dying, mm-hmm. and yeah. and but but there there's still certainly a notion of incarnation within mm-hmm. Hinduism and within within Buddhism, maybe less so because the divine is never really transcendent maybe in Buddhism. But certainly within Hinduism, I think there's a notion yeah. of incarnation. So 
it's that's it's a, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know I know you're, you're going to want to talk about some some things that he could have included but did not, and, and speculate perhaps on the on the reason why we get to that later. But there is a hand wave of all other right. kinds of religion, uh, and it's and it's unfortunate because it's I think is I think you you told me. Uh, I'm not going to pass this off as knowledge I had all the time. You said to me, like, sh- it's really Schopenhauer in 1820 that starts to incorporate a, a lot more. From, right, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Like, so, so, so philosophers in the West, in Europe didn't really have a sense of Eastern religion prior to, prior to that time. And, and the, just, again, the t- yeah. like texts weren't readily available for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, some were, right? There's some availability, but so it's not, so it's not like a, Oh, this incredible cultural arrogance on Hegel. It's just it's basically like he doesn't even know. So yeah, you yeah. know. But 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 yeah. he he has some awareness and and you know, I think it's fair to say like if he really cared about it, he just didn't care about religion that much. If he really cared about it, he would have done more research into it, I think. I think that's funny, um, because you said like spirit is the longest section. Is this the shortest section in the book? I think Apart religion from... is the yeah. maybe self consciousness. I mean, abs- yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's a couple of things that are really interesting just to like, uh, just to, to, re- to recap a little bit as, um, as, as Hegel does like the project. And, and, and again, I find it like he tries I, this time that I've read the book, like the first, I think the first time that I read it, I was just like, I was struggling so much to, to understand it. And, and now this time, I don't know how many times I've read the book, uh, well, well, completely, this is like my first time through, but I've read many sections many times. But this yeah. is the first time that I've really appreciated that he is again and again trying to make himself understood. And it is still so freaking hard. So hard for him. It's, yeah. it's, so, it's hard for him because this is the, and this is what clicked for me on this read. What he's trying to, what he's trying to do is, and I think it's it's tricky that it's called phenomenology. And now that, that word has the... Um, he doesn't, it's not in the, the Husserlian, uh, tradition. It's not, it's not about the phenom. It's not about phenomenon, like, or like experience, right. but it also kind of is kind it's of the, right. like, it kind of is. It's like this, how do we, how do we know things? Right. It's, 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 it's epistemology. You know, how do we know things? It's ontology. It's like, it's being, but it's also like, like that these things have a, have a life on their own, that thought has a, has a, has a life that like we, we, we think and our thought like as well, like, like we, and, and the, the thought can exceed us. And so if you, if you think that, if you think, and you want to tell the story of how does, how does thought come to be apprehended? How does like, how does thought have this, uh, have this life in a person that is also like outside a person that they are the subject of and subjected to, if you were really committed to that idea, how can you also be a person who's going to tell other people about it? How, how are you going to be someone who is insistent that there is not an outside to these things that there's not like, we can't imagine like that there's a position of externality where you can be the, like, I don't know, some untainted observer explaining all phenomenon and how all these things come to be. And you have the perfect understanding. Like he's really committed all of these concepts and we're going to get to it. All these concepts are, are within the, the, the dialectical method he's developing. Like every like term is dialectical within itself, which is also makes it complicated. I mean, as we're going to get to a little bit in this section, but if you're someone who really believes those things, things that like that that thought has this has this this journey it has to fold inward and 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 it has and and it's again it's it's contradictory like you're you're explaining how this 
how this happens. Like you can't present yourself as the person telling it in a non-contradictory way. Absolutely. Because then you're not, because then you're not suddenly not equal to the story you're telling. And I said this to you earlier that like, if what he wrote was instead a book about how it's actually impossible to really know anything that would be it. Like everyone would read it. It'd be the most, it'd be the most popular book from 1807. But instead he, he thinks, no, we know things all the time. How do we know? Like how, how, when does something make sense? When do we know things and how, how does it become like, uh, like pedagogical to us? Like when can, when can we teach it back to ourselves? This thing that we've been doing that we maybe never even thought about it. That it's a much harder project. And he tries to explain that in like the first four pages of this to recap it. And it's, uh, but it's also what this book is doing all the uh, time, all the time. And right. it, like, I think it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's such a great formulation the way he said that, I think that, that we, Basically, there are things that we believe that we don't know we believe. And that's a really mm-hmm. hard, because yeah. that's a hard thing because Hegel has to then also apply it to himself. Right. Because he can't, right. you're right, he can't just step out of the, of, the, of the narrative and then tell the, oh, this is what you really think. He can't, right, there's no position from which you could do that. So that, that is a mm-hmm. whole, mm-hmm. there's a whole problem. And I think you're right, like the, the Husserlian uh, inheritance of our, sense of what phenomenology means is profoundly misleading. And it, it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's better to focus on spirit or Geist, the second part of the title. Right. right. But as you say, but also. He, <laughs> but also he is going through the way in which how we should conceptualize our experience. So there is something mm-hmm. about experience in this book, right? There, there just mm-hmm. is like, it's how can you conceptualize it as sense certainty? Well, no. Can you conceptualize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it in religious terms? That's better, he thinks. And mm-hmm. I think, but then yeah. ultimately, that's that comes up wanting as well. So I think that there's, you know, I think you're exactly right that there's, we're written by the thing in as much as we're writing it, and that's what you have to try to apprehend when you're going through the text. And and to do that, it's interesting. So religion is, in in a certain way, it's one of the more schematic sections of Mm -hmm. the book, right? Like there's, there's three religions, there's three parts to each religion, right? (laughs) Right, So it, so it does kind of work out more schematically, but I think it actually, I think you, you also can see the way in which he takes each religious form up to the point at which it requires a different form, right? Like Mm -hmm. it, it runs into a certain contradiction that it can't resolve on its own. So it, it, it for a new form has to emerge. And so that starts with natural religion and the, the religion of light, right? So that's mm-hmm. his, that's his starting point. And then, so he starts with that and mm-hmm. this notion of religion as the, the veneration of pure light. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a fascinating thing. Like, why would that be the first religion? And I think it, in a way, it it points forward. So it points back, of course, to sense certainty and the notion that just this pure immediacy of sense, right? So it's the pure mm-hmm. purity of light. Uh, but it also points forward, I think, to the pure being of of the science of logic, which is a starting point for that book. Anyway, so I think this notion that so if you're just venerating pure light, then it can't be any shape that it takes on is... The, di- the dissolving of pure light, it becomes determinate, mm-hmm. right? And so then 
you come to these religions of plant and animal where pure light dissolves into different determinations and becomes these different spirits that are each in a certain way distinct from each other, beginning as with pantheism, and then they become plant religions that are able to coexist, and then there are religions of animals which are necessarily struggling with each other, right? Like one animal mm-hmm. religion is against the other, and they can fight it out, right? And so so that, right. so that it's interesting that he does say here that that animal religion comes to the point where we can recognize God as the thing. And I thought, this is a nice... Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't mean it, of course, in the Lacanian sense of das ding. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. thought he does use the term ding, so it is interesting, at yeah. least. <laughs> he doesn't use sacha, which is the other German word for uh, for thing. So, but 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 okay, it, it, clearly he doesn't have that idea in mind. But it's possible that Lacan had this in mind when he yeah, chooses maybe. that that word. Um, so God is well, the thing. Suffi- well, just to camp out on that for a second, yeah, because it's suffused. Because yeah. it, it's suffused with a, a con. A, uh, I want to try try to choose my words carefully to to marry both thinkers. It's suffused with a kind of content that is beyond the literal object. Right. Right. Like like right. like the religion of an of an animal. Like as a as an animal god, you are you are giving it something that is not contained within it it is it is well outside it is even it is even governing you and other other uh objects and and things in the world and that is also what what khan has in mind about das ding of just like this this elevation of a of a a a base object to it to something that 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 a position that exceeds it is that yeah, I think that's right. I think that I'm trying yeah. to remember. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think it matters, but I'm not sure that he <laughs> that it's that. Du- yeah, it is ding dusting. Yeah, that okay. that's that 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 does appear. So I think that okay. I, I mean what you're saying is exactly right, and that's why he goes directly from this religion of of God as the thing to what he mm-hmm. calls the artificer, right? And the artificer right. or the artisan, and the artisan because for the reason you just said, right? That the the artisan can. Co- in, in a certain way creates God as a, as a work of art. And yet mm-hmm. it's through this hollowing out, right? Like the, it's interesting that Lacan's example of dusting is the Heideggerian jug. And, mm. and in a way that's Hegel's example too, right? Like the artisan creates this outer shell, which is the home for spirit. Mm-hmm. But the shell it's, itself is not yet spirit. And so that's why it's not yet, what he calls religion in the form of art, right? Like that, that, right, that right. We, we have religion where the, the, it's creating the container for God, the form, but the mm-hmm. content, it's, it doesn't create the content because the content's well, because it's the emptiness. Well, it goes yeah. back to the first point because it's, it's, it's pure worship of externality. Right. Like right. the, like the Sphinx. Right. right, and it can't. Probably, right, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. That's why it's interesting that the Sphinx is the end point, right? And the so yeah. the Sphinx, but the Sphinx also is the transition, right? Because the the artisan, the Sphinx is the moment at which the inner and outer start to come together, right? Like the idea mm-hmm. that the Sphinx is half human, half animal, but it can only speak in riddles, right? So that's why it's that, that there's this limitation of it that he draws mm-hmm. our attention to that that like it's stuck between this, between, it's not quite up to the, it's not quite 
religion as the work of art or the mm-hmm. religion in the form of art, but it's not, it's, it's beyond this, the artisan creating the, the container, right? It's not just yeah. a container anymore. So I think that's a pretty well, ha- interesting idea. Yeah, go ahead. It has to be, and it has to be unknowable too. I mean, that's the other point about the riddles, right? Right. Like, like, like it can't, it cannot be close. You know, there's always like, I I mean, there, but again, like to be, to be dialectical about it, like there is a, there's an active interpretation involved in that kind of, which is good. That's a good thing. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's also like, you know, you're always in service of that thing that is uh, beyond and external to you. And it's never like it's never a part of you. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the same move that we will get to. It's not the same movement that he considers to be revelatory in Christianity where like, as you said, like where God dies, not just dies is killed like a criminal. Right. You know, like just utterly common. Right. It's not, Uh, we're right. We're not to that point because the Sphinx, it's really interesting. I think that, that at like the, the whole point of the Sphinx's riddle is that you cannot, it can't be solved, right? Like the, fa- the yeah. this isn't in the yeah. phenomenology; it's in the the aesthetics where he says that the mm-hmm. Slavoj's quoted it too many times for me to even quote it without <laughs> blushing. But <laughs> the riddles of the the riddles of the of the Egyptian gods were riddles to the Egyptians themselves, right? Like that yeah. that yeah. that the, and 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 I think that's true about the Sphinx, right? Like its riddles aren't solvable; they're not meant to be yeah. solved until. And I think it's really, I mean, it's interesting that he ends the natural religion with the Sphinx because it's in a way the perfect transition, right? Because right. who solves the riddle of the Sphinx? Well, it's Greek oh, art. Oedipus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Greek yeah. art, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that the, the turn, and I think the section religion in the form of art is basically about, it's all about Greece. I think, I don't think it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there might be references to some other, kinds of deity, like Roman deities, maybe a little bit, but it's basically about Greece because he goes through this turn from the abstract work of art, which is, which is like the Titans, the, the mythology, the Oracle, and then th- it moves to what he calls the living work of art, which includes festivals and, and, and like the Bakken mysteries. Right. And then mm-hmm. And this is there's some kind of like national spirit in this like this living work of art, uh, literature, and then the, mm-hmm. the, what he what he sees is finally the spiritual work of art, which is tragedy, or sorry, epic. And again, there's a right. kind of triplicity within triplicity the third, within, within the third, within the third, right? Like <laughs> that that it's epic, then. Tragedy than comedy, which I which is interesting, right? Because I think a lot of people would not see the order working out that way. No, like it's not historical. Uh, I mean, it's historical in no, some no. sense, but tragedy and comedy were contemporaneous. Go ahead. Oh yeah, well, just like you, you know, you're always looking at the. So he so for Hegel, as we have said on a number of these podcasts, uh, even though his his method is dialectical, yes, he never says. I mean. Again, back back me up on this one. He never says his his dialectical method is a thesis, antithesis, synthesis. He even like there's multiple times I I I'll he rejects it. it. It's it, he rejects it. He even rejects the synthetic. He rejects the synthetic. He does. As yeah. Often, often, often. in in, in yeah. this in this book. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I have if I have a. I'll, I'll see if I can find something uh directly from this section because it is in there. But it's um anyway. It, so so the thing in the third position 
is not the synthetic. It's the thing that it, it undoes. That's right. like, again, right. and, and this is like, this is the, the tricky thing you have to do to yourself to read this book. And I, and I do mean it that way. You have to do, do it to yourself right. to, to, to understand is that the third position, even though, even though the, the triplicity is a, is dialectical, the third position is the dialectical one as in it overturns the, uh, the, the either the previous term or the other two. Right. And, right. and so that's, that's what you want to see is that, is that, that movement of, of, of overturning of, of kind of like, of almost of, uh, of obliterating. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, we're going to, I think spend a lot of time on this, on the triplicity of epic uh, tragedy and, and comedy, uh, specifically those last two terms, because what he, what, what he sees as, as being, uh, you know, uh, revelatory in the tragedy is that um, there's not, there's, there's real characters who right. are really doing things. It's not just in the, the epic, which is told from the position of narrator and narrator is really interesting. Like the word narrative comes up depending on the translation and how you have to read it. I think is, is that, um, it's a narrator is someone who knows, right. You know? And, and, and so there's what happens in the movement from epic to tragedy is there's no longer, there's the chorus, but the chorus can't do anything like they can't affect the what's going on in the play. So there's no longer this external authority that knows there's people. Well, they're a stupid big other. That's what the chorus. Right. Right. Yes, that's right. There's exactly. And that's a huge change too, from the Epic rather than the, the, the all knowing other is the the stupid big other. Right. Like, Um, like Antigone, the chorus is great, right? They're like, to Creon, we told you, we told you, you should have. <laughs> but of course, they didn't. They're always, they always know better, but only after the fact, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Which is, you know, that's interesting. Like, because I wonder if in Science of Logic, if, if it's actually that that convinces him about the the Owl of Minerva, which we always end up talking about every every once in a while. Yeah, like it's philosophy of right, you know. Yeah, philosophy, philosophy of right. right. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, Ryan, I think you're, I think that's a real, I, I just want to go back because I think that's such a good point that I want to say, doesn't the same thing happen in the, for, in the natural religion section with the artisan, right? Like the artisan, yeah. it dissolves both the religion of light and the religion of plant and animal, right? Like those, mm-hmm. like those are, they, they're shown to be too passive, I think, like, right, right. too dependent right. upon an externality and taking the absolute as external, to, whereas the artisan is much more creative. So while the artisan, on the one hand, moves toward religion in the form of art, on the other hand, the artisan dissolves those other positions and shows how they're untenable, right? Because they're dependent upon this externality in the form of light or plant and animal. So it, mm-hmm. So the same thing that you see happening in religion in the form of art is also happening in the first section too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and he's, again, it's, it's like, he's trying, he's trying so hard to be understood. Right. right. And he's, and, and, right. and if it, it takes, it takes a lot because he writes in such an idiosyncratic way, but, uh, that, but he is giving you, he's giving you the same, he's giving you the shape of the, of, of his thought, like again and again. Like it, like I, I think the the and the the structure is worth um, you know paying attention to because that as much as as much as what he writes is is giving you the argument, you right. know, like like just like the structure of the argument. It's like like the way like like um, 
I, like we, as we said before, you know, like y- y- you read through the book, like you get like, like, uh, religion is closer to, uh, to absolute, uh, no- knowing, but it's not there. Like there's still, there's still something like it's like spirit is closer than self-certainty, but it's not as close to religion. And why is it like, why, why are we stacking or, uh, or why are these things positioned after one another? Like the, like just the, the act of where something falls, you know, before or after something is itself, you know, a bit of an argument, like, you know, end ending with, like you said, like ending with the Sphinx. And then like, he's going to move on to talk about like tragedy and like in, in, in Greek art, uh, like, like that's, you know, there's an implicit link that makes itself an argument there. And that's, I think like really crucial to, to seeing his method, not just understanding the, the line for itself, but seeing the the bigger picture as he moves through. I think that's something that's really, really crucial for me. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. I just want to underline it because I think that's such a nice literary interpretive way of approaching the text, right? Like that, that where something is tells us more than what it's saying directly, Mm -hmm. right? Like that, Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely crucial. Like the great example would be Titanic, right? Like, when the iceberg hits, tells us more about what Cap, uh, Capra, <laughs> what's funny, <laughs> Cameron is saying than anything, than what the couple is doing at the yeah. time, or what, you know, what other things the film is doing, right? It hits right as they mm-hmm. have sex for the first time, right? So that's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a huge thing, right? And so, or when a disaster of any type hits in a film, mm-hmm. like that tells you something. Um, right, right, right. And I think the same thing is true for Hegel, and it's especially true for him because he's, and it's, I love the way that you're saying, you're saying the argument is in the narrative, right? Like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is such a crucial point because one of the things that he's doing is turning philosophy from large logical argumentation to dramatic playing out of concepts. But yeah. it doesn't matter that it, it doesn't mean that he's abandoning the argument. It means that he's placing the argument within the dramatic laying out of the concept, right? And I think that's yeah. what you're drawing our attention to with where or when a certain thing appears, not exactly what is being said. And, and uh, the final point on this, and again, I think it's yeah. such a great point. Uh, final point on this is that Robert Brandom's great big commentary on this 800 page some page commentary on phenomenology called spirit of trust uh slavoy thinks it should be called spirit of distrust <laughs> but, but, okay uh not that he thinks that would be the proper name for a commentary on hegel not that it's not a critique of brandon per se uh, mm-hmm. but anyway brandon ends the commentary after the spirit section you're like well wait a minute he's like and the rest just kind of it's the same just follows from this you're like, wait a minute, that that just can't be right because for the reason you just said, the end is the mm. thing for him. Yeah. And the <laughs> and the the closer the conscious of a king. Yeah. <laughs> the closer you are to the end, the closer you are to the correct apprehension of the structure of spirit. Right? Right. And so to to say that, oh well, we kind of got it uh at the end of the spirit section is to not get it at all i think that's what would be yeah my yeah position. oh absolutely absolutely no i think like you yeah like, like it, it misses the pro like again like i i don't know i have some sympathy because like we were talking about this like you have to you have to stabilize like these you concepts. have to cut somewhere 
Yeah. You got to, yeah, you got to cut somewhere, but yeah. it does am- amount to a, <laughs> a distrust, a, a, like a slight, I think like conceptual betrayal to not end it where Hegel ends it. And like, I, I suppose, I don't know, to, to me, I haven't read the, I haven't read the commentary, but it feels like, a it feels a capitulation to like well i don't want to bring religion into this too much because it gets it, it, it gets uh too far away from uh like a, a a reason and and rationality pure and simple right i think that's uh, right like then, i think that's right i think for okay. brandom religion gets it gets dicey right and it gets mm. like you're getting to it's like sectarian it's there's all of yeah. these problems with it. and so if you stop with spirit it's like it seems like everybody can be included if you get mm-hmm. to create, if you get to revealed religion, well, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, Hegel thinks everybody can be included, but right. maybe your garden variety Buddhist isn't going to like that the that the the universal religion is Christianity. You got to work that out, yeah. and it's a little dicey. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's not. And again, it's it's not. It, that's not because of Christian supremacy. It's because, in fact, I mean, what Hegel would think of like contemporary Christian supremacy, like it misses absolutely everything. Yeah. He would hate that it. Is re- he would hate it. Revelatory exactly. of Christianity exactly. because yeah, like the position is just that like it's, it's God having been debased. That's right. and, 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 and we, we need to have, we, you need to have that you, again, God, God dying, God being killed uh, as a, as a commoner uh, that, that movement is, uh, is crucial. But then as he says, as we've kind of laid out, like to, to go to, to go to a house of worship, but like it's very easy in, in these communities, as he says, like to get wrapped up in it all being external and that you're, you're, you're only a part of it. You're only a part of the, uh, the religion in so far as you are worshiping, not in so far as like you're, you're understanding the, the movement of the, of the divine being debased, meaning right. that right. the divine is debased and to be debased is to be divine like that, like that, that, is, that isn't, the point of continuing to go to a, uh, a church, which is also to go back to his previous thing. Like that would be an, and, uh, that's an artisan creation right. of religion, right? you know? Right. So it, it's, it's moving, it's, it's moving backwards, uh, in his, uh, in his triplicity and very, very, just very quickly about the synthetic being bad picture thinking is like what, like comp is representation, like common, like it's anytime he says in the Miller picture thinking or, representation representation in pinker translation which is better yeah. is it's better yeah and that's a uh that means you're far you you're 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 too far away from the thing right i think that's right yep. so yep. this is just it's a page 441 of the miller uh and i have because we want to move on to talking you give the yeah section. oh the section is 730 um and he's talking about the epic in here um Formally, however, the relation of the two, uh, sorry, no context on that one. The relation of the two bore the character of a synthetic combination of the universal and the individual, i.e. of picture thinking. On this specific character, it depends the appraisal of this world. The relation of the two is thus a mingling of them, which inconsistently divides and apportions the unity of the action and uh, superfluously throws the action over from one side to the other. Again, a synthetic relation is a bad one. There's not this moment of uh, uh, a reconciliation of recognition. There's no cut to put it in Lacanian terms. Right. So, so synthesis always and frequently bad. That is not, that is not the end point. Um, right. So, but I, uh, where, where, what is the end point of the uh, religion as art, however, is comedy. And that's the interest. That's the, well, I think it's fascinating. Very, yeah. It's, it's a fascinating move by him. And when one that is, I don't know. Is it even anticipated 
by by whom? A, I don't like know. A, a wider attitude? I kind of I don't think so. Yeah, like, I don't know because what? doesn't everyone think? Okay, epic first. We get that. That's fine for the reason mm-hmm. you said because you have the external narrator, right? The gods are are important, not mm-hmm. the not the subjects within. But then, right. why isn't tragedy? Why isn't comedy before tragedy in terms of its revelation of the of the truth? Right? Like that seems mm-hmm. really like why would comedy get that higher role? And I think that's pretty. I mean, I, I think I said this when we talked about Hamlet. If 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 him if 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 all that we had left were Shakespeare's comedies, none of us would have heard of Shakespeare, right? <laughs> and I think that's yeah. like that yeah. tragedy just has for us. I think even today a kind of weight that comedy doesn't have. And I I so when I first read this, I really really wondered about it, and I mm. thought, why would he do that? But I think I, I here I'll give you my take, and I want to see what you think about this. Like sure, I think his idea is that comedy is closer to revealed religion, fair Offenbar religion, uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's closer to that because comedy involves the infinite making itself finite, that, that the mm. universal has to have a particular manifestation in comedy. And so, in a way it reverses the direction of tragedy. Like tragedy is about the finite trying to assert its infinitude and hold mm-hmm. on to its infinitude, even within the finite world. And comedy is about the infinite having to deal with its finitude. And that's what's this collision between the infinite and the finite is what's funny. I mean, I, I, I just, mm. I just stole something from my own, <laughs> little stupid book on comedy, but that, that I think that that's true for Hegel's idea here. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, what I like is, um, uh, you know, in the, in the Stern, um, yeah. uh, The commentary. Yeah. Yeah. The commentary that I think we, I think we both like, um, the, what he, what he says is that, uh, comedy is a threat to the gods. Like he, that's because they're made fun of. And and they're they're debased, and so that's what that's what yeah. Hegel is. is yeah, is so you're already at. almost at Christianity. Yeah, right, 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 right. So you're you're already there. But I think what what is um what I like about to sort of combine those your idea, and I think what what Stern is doing is that like the um like finitude is a threat. Yeah, and it's it's much it's much uh when you are in the epic and like you know, it's, it's like the, the epics are the, the stories of the, uh, the epics are like, like, uh, Orson Welles and, and Joseph Cotton at the top of the, uh, <laughs> Ferris wheel looking down on all the ants, right? right. Like in, right. in, uh, um, uh, why is it escaping me? Uh, the third, third man. man. Yeah. Um, as we reference, um, uh, so often on the show, uh, it, it's, it, so it, it's, it doesn't do so much. An epic doesn't do so much as, um, assert the authority, of the external gods. So, so that there's, and, and we are just, uh, you know, we're, we, we play, we play this like sort of like small role and they, they are capricious and they may help and they may not. Um, and then with, uh, tragedy, it's like, as he, as Hegel looks at, like we, we've moved the camera. If you want to think the camera is no longer this view down from the top of a Ferris wheel. It's now, um, at, uh, well, what what would you say? It's now is is it uh is it at eye level? 
Um, yeah, of, I think that's you know, fair. Like, right. You know, so we're, we're now we now brought it to the ground. We're now at the the the, the eye level of the care, and we're when we're watching someone go go through something, but it's still I, there is. I think there in tragedy there is this bit of distance where the tragic, and I think this is part of this isn't exactly a Lenka's point about uh, Lenka Zupanchik's point about how, you know, tragedies always have the name of the person. Right. Uh, you know, but it's it, what I'm about to say is not exactly the point that she makes, but there's also like the, the figure is so exceptional. So the, yes, the camera is at eye level, but it's on someone who is so exceptional and is not you. It's not, it's, it's not a, it's they're They're not a, com- we cannot identify a common, with a tragic hero. Yeah. It's not a common person having a common problem. Right. Right. Ever like, and that, that's the point that's endemic to the form, but with comedy, the, that's the, that's the, suddenly now you're in, you're in the, 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 the territory of the, like the person on the street. Right. Um, and it's, it's more so like if, if maybe the camera's at the same level, but suddenly the, the people that you see are the people that you see like in, in the everyday, like it's much more trained on the everyday rather than the cameras being trained on the exceptional. And so it's that, it's that movement that is uh, that is bringing, uh, I, I think, the, the the finite more into more into focus. Yeah, I because thought you were going to go all the way and say the cameras okay. on the under the ground or on the ground. Yeah. Oh well, but but see that doesn't happen. Is you know that's not like a normal camera well, angle. It, so it, I didn't want to do that. Wells does it. I guess it's in in Kane. He cut in holes Kane. in the floor yeah, yeah, yeah. to shoot yeah. Kane, which makes him seem. His grandiosity seems vacant, right? Like, like, yeah, that that was the point of that, right? Like that he, I mean, it's not a comedy, obviously, but no, I know that was the yeah, that's the problem, uh, right? That's right. a problem. There is that great, the great in um the great introduction to um Askar Farhadi's um separation that is the inside of a uh, of a um a, a like a scan, professional scanning machine like yeah. scanning documents for yeah. the couple like the the camera is inside the machine so yeah. and then the next scene is a uh, one take and so it's this like really nice collision of uh formalism and and realism in film yeah. which is which is what that film plays with because the whole that whole film is, is like centered around like one moment that you don't see like right. for this film that is largely realist, there's like this one cut and you don't see. And that's what like the, the kind of the drama of the whole film. So I agree does, again, the, but for yeah. Hottie's not exactly a barrel of laughs, is he? I mean, he's no, exactly. <laughs> again, we don't have the We don't have comedy here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I just, I just watched the hero and that was like, Oh yeah. So depressing. <laughs> yeah. But he, he's a great filmmaker, obviously, but. Oh but, yeah. Uh, uh, but, but not, not, not really a comic filmmaker, but I think you're, it's interesting, right? Because what is the difference between a realist aesthetic, like mm-hmm. even like De Sica, Bicycle Thieves, mm-hmm. and a comic aesthetic, right? Like it's not, yeah. Yeah. it's not so much the level of the camera, is it? It's or it's it's maybe the way that it uh, undermines shoots the, the subject. Character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoots. That was, that in, I think in both senses, to. right? Yeah. Like, in, yeah. like yeah, the comic nice. film shoots the subject. In a way, the realist mm-hmm. film is tends to, I think, be more pathetic in its treatment of the subject, right? Like, it, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like you see, like I think, doesn't the realist film? Maybe this is wrong, but doesn't the realist film show the 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 figure completely condemned to its finitude, whereas mm-hmm. 
the comic film shows this infinite pretension of this figure mm. doomed to finitude, right? Like, isn't this the, a, the yeah. situation of the tramp in every Chaplin film, right? Like, he doesn't yeah, just... Yeah, right, right, right. He doesn't just... Mm-hmm. He's not just content with his lowly position. Like, right. he, he's constantly trying to... Like, in Gold Rush, say, he's constantly trying to yeah. transcend it, and that's mm-hmm. what makes him funny, right? Like, if he was just yeah. this completely abased homeless guy, it, mm-hmm. it, no one could... I mean, I guess there's some frat guys that could laugh at him but it would be hard yeah. i don't think anyone could and it, well, it's that, only i think that then you get into like is that even is that comedy even? right but, right but anyway, right right yeah. i know i know i think a lot of people wouldn't even say it's comedy right yeah 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 that's i no. it's interesting i mean i think it's i mean it's fascinating that that um i think it's it, like i think it's fascinating that hegel even p- p- thinks to position comedy here given what comedy was to him I know. At that time. At the time, I know. Like, like if he had, like, that's what I think, Ryan. Like, if he had seen Chaplin or, or, I mean, the best example is Keaton, right? Like, Keaton is always this figure from, you know, relative, like, easy circumstances, right? Who then gets, Mm -hmm. who gets completely marginalized within this middle-class milieu, right? Like Chaplin's totally, yeah. ex- he's a total outsider who doesn't fit in. Yeah, but yeah. but Keaton's always like, try. he thinks he's inside, he kind of, but he can never get the the the, the romantic partner. He can never, you know, yeah. he can never get the, the job right. You know, he, he has right. to fantasize about what he won, you know, like in Sherlock Jr. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, it seems like Keaton, I almost think, is the perfect Hegelian filmmaker right of the, of this precisely this moment right before christianity yeah that's in, that's interesting and in a and, and speaking of uh, of recapping we are going all the way back to the beginning our for ep- our first episode on your book which was recently published on comedy at that time um i i mean i made the argument to you before we started that i think what you d- what you do in that book is you take this um you 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 take some of these insights that that hegel like uh, sets down about comedy and he puts it not at the end of the chapter nor at the end of uh the the book but it's like it gets it's uh comedy um w- which is uh which i suppose you could say that like what what comedy does that tragedy doesn't is that like um the 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 god wears clothes you right. know like 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 that that's that's the <laughs> imp- that's the important thing yeah. and 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 so that like that's that lowering that debasing that is crucial to Hegel and which, but it's what gets him uh, almost like, uh, like training wheels on a bike. It's what gets him to the next point that he wants to make, which is about revealed religion. Yeah. And, and yeah. is more, more about religion as such. Whereas what I think what you do is you take those ideas of, uh, of comedy and, and expand it and move it toward the universal that Hegel is trying to articulate. Right. That, no, and, I and I, and I, I, and I wonder if it's, if it's just because of, that's what 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 comedy was to Hegel was the Greek tradition and uh, yeah. like Shakespeare. I mean, it wasn't what it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't what it is it to us. I know. I yeah. kind of think yeah. it's amazing in that way, don't you? That he even yeah came up with that sense of like it's a very sophisticated understanding of comedy for someone who, I mean, he did have Greek, but Aristophanes kind of isn't so great. I don't think Shakespeare's comedies are good. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I mean, it's just, yeah, he had so much better tragedy, right, than he did comedy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's, it's just, 
I don't know. It's it's a well, and even even Shakespeare's even Shakespeare's comedies, like how many of them do the thing that he says? Yeah, I don't know. Does. Do any? I don't know. I don't, I, that's I a don't, good question. I don't, I I don't think any do. Mid, right. Midsummer, maybe because we are talking about ancient Greece and kind of Greek gods like coming down and mingling in the wood. You know, like there's a little bit of that. But I mean, I, I maybe can't. Could, would you say like the clouds from Aristophanes because we see how Socrates gets turned into a buffoon. You know, he's up in. He sits in a tree okay. so he can be closer to God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good. So, that's pretty I good. I guess that's pretty funny. Uh, probably got Socrates killed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think that's true. Uh, that but, would be that'd be a funny that'd be a funny breaking news. Uh, <laughs> uh, Socrates in a tree, getting closer to God. That's what got him killed. That's yeah. I just meant that the, that it's possible that Aristophanes' critique seeded the 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 charges that were made against him because basically Breaking the charges news, Aristophanes got Socrates killed. I know. I know. You could have <laughs> that on Fox <laughs> News on the banner. Um, <laughs> That's the tick that on the ticker. <laughs> and we could get a whole bunch of people going up against. Uh, although no, the Fox News group was the people that got Socrates that, that killed. killed him. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it wouldn't work that way. But but I think it's interesting. So to just to support your point that mm-hmm. this move from comedy to to the revealed religion is, 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 is really what that. So what Hegel's doing is, is seeing the comedy of Christ. Do you know this Buñuel mm. film called mm. La Voix Lactée, the Milky Way? Oh yeah. Yeah. Milky. It's a great film, right? But can I it, tell you what it does? I'm just going to put this out there in case yeah. anyone is, a, yeah. is the screenwriter who's yeah. listening. Yeah. One of the things that Buñuel does in this movie that I think is like you, you could not overuse this. Okay. The first thing that he does, like to, to for the the humanity and the everydayness of Christ, is I know you know what he does, but I'm just gonna say you know what he does. He makes him late. <laughs> he's just he's late. He All shows up late for. He shows up late for for things, and I think like um, <laughs> you know, like it, 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 make your character make in the start of your movie, make your character late because you know what you can do. What are they late for? What's their what what relationship do they have to their lateness? Yeah. Are they going to speed to get there? Are they going to be slow to get there? You can see them get together, get their their things together, and then you know where they are. You know what city they live in. You know what kind of job or position they're in. You know what kind of relationship they have to different objects and different people. And all of it, you don't have to have anybody say anything. I know. I you love it with let with it be visual. Mary's like, yeah. get a move on, man. Come yeah. On. <laughs> It's so yeah, good. It's, so a, it's, it's a great I, ride. It's such a great point. And then there's this other other of my favorite parts is when he's getting ready, he gets a little bowl of water and he gets some shaving cream. He's going to shave yes. his beard. And Mary goes, mm-hmm. Don't son, don't shave. He's like, okay. And he throws out the, <laughs> and I think what's so great about that is it shows that I mean it really, really the late thing, especially, but it shows the finitude of the infinite, right? Like the yes. absolute, the God of the beyond is right down, not just, he's not, and I think late is perfect, right? Like it's not just mm-hmm. among us, but it, in the most banal part of the everyday, right? Like the Absolutely. can't get somewhere on time, right? doesn't know whether to shave or not, you know? And then, and then even worse is like murdered with criminals, right? Like that's, yeah. I think for mm-hmm. Hegel, that's the real comic dimension. Like how how... Okay, born can't get a hotel room. His parents can't get a hotel room. So <laughs> right, he has to right. be born out in this little barnyard, right? Like mm-hmm. it's funny how don't you think this gets domesticated all the time like a manger, 
like oh, really yeah. like yeah. main yeah. like it's such it sounds so poetic and it sounds so nice right. you're away in a manger and 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 then okay some of the lines are pretty good like no crib for a bed okay that's good but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't evoke the trauma and the mm. debasing of that mm. scenario which i think is what the gospel writers we're going for, right? Yeah. Like that's the point is yeah. the debasing of the mm-hmm. Christ figure because that is about so that tells the narrative of God, the infinite being lowered down to the lowest part of the finite. Yeah, no, that's very, that's very, very nice. Um, and I, so it, it's that, I mean, again, it's a, like that's a, I don't think people, if you asked, I don't know, 20 people to describe comedy, I don't think that the, what they're honing in on is the finitude. And the, and the, like the, the everydayness, like it's like the, 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 the everyday meeting, like meeting finitude, like, like the, again, like uh, that's the other thing about being late is like, it kind of, it kind of makes something banal exciting. Right. You know? Like that's now true. But it also like, you it. also got the, like God shouldn't be late. Right? Like God shouldn't be late. God, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like God you should wait. be able to determine what's late and what's on time, but that's not right. what happens yeah. in. Buñuel's comedy, and that's why it's funny. Right. I think this the, this incredible lowering is so... It's it, To me, it's just really one of the most amazing things about Hegel, and then the amazing thing that Hegel shows about Christianity, because I think the way in which Christianity is practiced throughout its history, but especially today, is that it's, it's all about preserving the beyondness, not yeah. just of God, but of Christ, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not rather than seeing Christ as the making finite of the infinite, they see Christ as just an extension of the infinite, right? Like we're just mm-hmm. the infinite's taking this new form, but it's still infinite. It's still totally out of reach. I can you know I score a touchdown. I look up in the sky and thank Christ, <laughs> like, like you know like. But not like, when you fumble. Right. I mean that's that's would be interesting. That would be comic too, right? I think that would be a Hegelian mm-hmm. way, like. Like Joe Burrow throws an interception, he points his hands up at the he sky and says, up. "Thanks to God." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. But that would be the real Christian yeah. moment, right? Like in the failure, mm-hmm. in the debasement, that's where God is. You know, like yeah. this. Slavoj loves to tell a joke about this. I think it's really good that there are these three old Jews in heaven. They're mm-hmm. telling they're they're telling Holocaust jokes, and they tell okay. one is partic- particularly. Uh, offensive and graphic, and God comes walking by, and he's like, I, I don't get it. That's not funny at all. And then one of the old Jews goes, well, you would have had to have been there. And, of course, <laughs> the point is that God wasn't there in the Holocaust. But then God says right. to them, no, no, you've got it wrong. I that That's the only time I was with you, right? Like, that's the—I that I think that's the point. That's the Christian response, yeah. right? Like, that it's, mm-hmm. in the, mm-hmm. it's in the worst situation that that's when— that's when the divine appears. And I think that's, that it's interesting that that's what Hegel really gloms onto about the Christian idea, but that most Christians don't, nominal Christians don't think in those terms. Mm. Now, do you want to, speaking of transitions of our own, do you want to talk about why, just speaking of, uh, of, 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 of Jews. the structure of that joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to speak about, like, like Judaism in here? Because it is, uh, I think, curious by its omission. Yeah, right. yeah. So so unlike 
Eastern religions, Hegel had a really, obviously anyone that's read the Bible has a decent, Christian Bible has a decent knowledge of Judaism. Uh, he had a pretty good knowledge of Judaism. Uh, outstanding. And he even wrote about Judaism in The Positivity of the Christian Religion, which was written in the 1790s. But he doesn't, he does talk about Judaism in philosophy of religion, and it gets its own little section. Here, it doesn't. And it's interesting because, okay, we did talk about how the comic leads into the revealed religion, and I think that's true. But mm -hmm. isn't the isn't the, the most logical step before the revealed religion to be the religion of the God of the beyond, which would be Judaism, right? Like Judaism mm -hmm. takes God as the absolute beyond, right? Like you, you, not only can you, you, you can't say God's official name. You have to say Adonai, like this, this substitute mm -hmm. name for God, right? And you can't mm -hmm. write God. Like you have to write, if you're writing in English, you write G hyphen D, right? You can't write out God's mm -hmm. name. So God is so far beyond for a, a practicing Jew that you can't even, there's no access to the God of the beyond. So mm -hmm. I would think that that would be the perfect lead-in to the revealed religion, right? Like that, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the other and thing, he, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Riff you, on that. I, I mean, see. no, you were, just, no, it was just, um, um, I think that, that I'm glad you led with that, like, um, because your, uh, your assessment of why it's not there is that it's, probably anti-semitic just on hegel's part yeah that, yeah just on hegel's part yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or um, or it, it's either anti-semitic or anti-judaic right like those aren't yeah. necessarily the same thing sure sure yeah. uh especially the way that he's he's working through the, uh this this thing but it's it's just inter it's interesting because it's 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 the other i guess i suppose i guess my 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 point my only riff on this is that like um it's the what we're as, on the on the on the one hand, like the the uh, the uh, the good side. Uh, what is it? The Harvey Harvey uh, Harvey. Why I'm doing Harvey Danger and Rodney Dangerfield. I'm just had a thing. Um, Rodney Dangerfield. What he says in uh, Caddyshack, like about the about in Germany on the good side, right? <laughs> like on the good, like huh, on the good side of the wall. Okay, so on the right. good side. On the good side of looking at structure, you know, you have this like this point that we've been working with about like where comedy fits, like comedy being in this like this uh, properly dialectical position that that uh, overturns uh, or obliterates a, a, a precept or, or a prevailing uh, notion, e even from something more popular, like which is not exactly a part of his argument, but like tragedy being more popular and even being more scholarly, comedy like overturns it. So that's and and that's not just a part of the argument, it's part of the structure of the argument as such, and it's part of the way that he moves it. So that's that's on that's on the good side. That's on the good side of looking right, at structure. Right. But on the other side, if we want to be properly dialectical about it, is like looking at like what's missing and that maybe should be there. And that's this point that I think you're making, and which which doesn't I, I maybe isn't to Hegel's credit, I think, is, is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think that that, you know, the other thing I was gonna say is that you could you could actually do the transition with Judaism mm -hmm. itself, right? Like you could take, although mm -hmm. it would ruin the comedy thing. So I think that the, I think he does have a sense of the narrative flow and that's why maybe he did it. But uh, mm. you could say Judaism on the one, like it, it, doesn't Judaism kind of have the God of the absolute beyond and an anticipation of the Christian debasing of God. 
right? Like, yeah. isn't every Jewish Jew, like when I first told Hillary Naroni, my spouse, about the the Hegel's conception of Christianity, I don't know, when we first met, she's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, uh, Jews already think that. She's, she's like, we already think God's debased. That's why we have all these jokes about him. So, uh, like, there are all these jokes about God's impotence within mm-hmm. the Jewish tradition, right? Like, the, even yeah. the joke I told about the Jews in heaven, tell their jokes about, like, that joke is about God's impotence, his inability to stop the Holocaust from happening, the fact that he wasn't there. So that, I think it's interesting. You could have, like, moved in to Christianity by saying, like, Judaism is already implicitly Christianity, when, which makes sense because Christianity is a Jewish sect, right? But so, Todd, through, through comedy, which was the last, the last point that he made, the, the last part of the structure of the argument, yeah. Like through the through the comic, it makes that point the best. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. That's a, I, I think yeah. that's really fascinating, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that he didn't. I think Hegel knew quite a few Jews, so I, I I think he probably knew some Jewish jokes, but maybe he didn't know enough or the right ones, right? Mm-hmm. Because because I think he he should have got to this. I mean, he has a, he had, there's a, he tells a lot of jokes. He knows a lot of jokes, so mm-hmm. you would think that he would have seen that as a as a pathway. To getting to the revealed religion, but I do think mm. that that you know that, that that for him, it really is the case that what that what the Jewish joke tries to articulate is what he's what he likes most about Christianity, right? Like I think mm. they're exactly mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. thing. This That's like pretty great. this chopping off of chopping off of God, like this castrating of God. I think which is yeah, the, which is the, I think that's the Christian for him. That's the mm. Christian idea. And I mean, I think you could imagine one objection, which would be, well, wait, okay, that's nice. But I know a lot of Christians, none of them think that Christianity is about God's castration. Right, right, right. right. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he would say that if you read the gospel carefully, that's what it says. But I, I mean, there isn't, I think there's. it's fair to see that as a, as a criticism because I don't think that religious structure has prevented Christianity from having just as much of a fundamentalist, what would you call it, like a reaction as yeah. Islam has had or as Judaism has had, right? So I mean, or I Buddhism, that, like, Buddhism, or, or or Hinduism. I mean, it's funny. Like, there's none of those religions have a doctrinal safeguard against a fundamentalist reaction. None. Mm. They don't. Well, right? isn't that isn't that isn't that why isn't this why, isn't this why this isn't the last chapter? Like to go it back is. To that point. It is. Yes. It right. is. It is. You it know, is. like it it, it's it's exactly that. It's exactly this. The, the there's there's a way of looking at it where it is the like the fulfillment of the concept, like true and proper. But yeah. then there's also like in the very like the very regular and and mundane and everyday practice that betrays the concept. Right. As, as he's developing. Well, isn't it because it's in the form of representation? Right, like, yes. isn't yeah, I think that's, probably, that's where that's the rubber hits the road, Ryan. Yeah, I yeah. think I think yeah. that's it. That yeah. that there aren't any fundamentalists of absolute knowing. They're not. Yeah. Right. There, there's not. They're sorry, but there are Christian fundamentalists, fundamentalists of revealed religion, because they've refused. Mm-hmm. They've taken the the representation as separate from themselves, and once you do that, mm. all is lost. Right. Like you. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's. I think so. I think I like what you're saying. So, in a way, he anticipates that 
error by not making this the end point. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, I mean, he, like it's so it's just uh, to, to go back to like, again, this, like, um, uh, where like this following, uh, spirit that like, and you, you combine it with what you know from what we know from this chapter is that, like, you see spirit is this, uh, it's a, what would you say? Like it's, it's both, it's both an, uh, you have to do both things. It's both this externalizing of right. the, of the, of the divine and also splitting. Yeah. And also bringing yeah. it down. Yeah. And, and that is, you need religion. You need religion to be able to, to see it. I mean, certainly it, it would have been his most, uh, it's interesting. It would have been his most, uh, representational, most potent representational, uh, example that he could have chosen from just what was available because certainly uh, media doesn't exist as such like and certainly in the way that we know it like mass right. media and ma- like that like maybe maybe there maybe there's there's an maybe there's a way of writing this that there's a um like as we've been going through like you know you, you maybe we'd put hollywood in the position of 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 religion and working through the phenomenology or something like that. I don't know. Um, right. And and but again, it would not be absolutely knowing. It'd be right before. Um, so, but that's this what 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 religion what Christianity stages is this uh, is this split this uh, like interdependent split of the of the the debase and the divinity. Right. And right. and so we and I think it's maybe the implicit argument that. It's just in, in terms of like, well, I don't know. Cause he's not on this. He's certainly, he's not on the side of like organized religion. I don't no. think no at all in this. And, and, and because organized religion, it has to be a, even, it has to pay lip service to the debase part and has to kind of big up the divine part. Yeah. I think absolutely right. kind of the only right. way you can do that. And right. I think that's the implicit argument here. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that he's a, except he likes institutions, you know? So sure. So it's, 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 it's dicey on that, but I do think you're right that, that there is this inherent danger to organized religion that is, it's going to, it's going to always play up the, the infinite or the divine and downplay the debased, Mm -hmm. right? Like let's go, Mm -hmm. instead of coming to church today, let's go visit a brothel, right? Like (laughs) that would be the Christian thing to do. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. but that no one's going to do that, and and I, right. I think that's again what I love about the end of season six of of <laughs> Mad Men. Right, like he he he, yeah, he yeah. it's about Don, like this figure of oh he can do anything, and then showing the connection to the the brothel. Right, like I think that that's mm-hmm. and what you know. think is the series ends in the organized religion way, which is more the divine aspect. That's right. Of that's Don right. Draper that's right. and not the debased aspect. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that that like, can a, I mean, I think we would both say that the platonic ideal of a series ending or film ending mm. or, or novel mm. ending is this, can you bring together in the way that revealed religion does the, the divine and the debased. Right. Like, yeah. can you have this perfect, I mean, that's for Hegel, what speculative identity is. And can you do that? And, and then he think because I think that your point about institutional religion is really good because what he says is that, I mean, he, he loves this idea of Holy spirit. Right. And so mm. he's thinking of, 
I think he's thinking this verse in Matthew, I think it's 18, Matthew 18, 20, where he's, you know, this famous, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of you, right? Like right. that Christ, that notion of Christ being there as Holy Spirit when a group are together. And I think that's really, that seems to me really uh, something that you that is outside of the institutional practice and mm-hmm. is present in the, like the coming together bring in a certain way brings together the divine and the debate. Like you, you have to accept the debased aspect of the neighbor along with the divinity in the neighbor, right? Like that's part of what mm-hmm. it means to come together in Holy Spirit, I think for him. You know, I just keep thinking that, um, cause better call Saul ended recently. I yes. think it does that. You think I'll it does that? You. Okay, good. I think it does good. that. You want good. to see when you get there. Yeah. Um, nobody spoil it for Todd. Um, the, although I wouldn't mean anything to you at this point, at this point, because you haven't started the show. So that, I think that'd be hard, but I think it does kind of do that. Um, and I think that it, it is the, I think it's the trickiest thing to do. And I think it's part of the reason why shows don't do that is because, um, again, to, for the secular example is that because you, um, you're at the end and you're, you're just the last chance to say something and you're saying goodbye and you love these characters and you don't want to put them in a, in a, in a, in a bad way. Like that's not so great. You know, and right, I think like those right. things, I think that kind of, um, uh, that kind of moralism, like, like a, I'll, I'll call it a narrative moralism, yeah. uh, kind of creeps in and yeah. it, it's, it stops, it halts one from, uh, apprehending the, like the cut. And, and from, and, and, it, and it, it turns away from maybe you wink at the debased, but you don't like, you don't get stuck in there. Uh, which is the, which, which is, I, I, I do, I, I do agree with that. I think like that, that's the, that's where, I mean, I mean, even like film endings, I, I think, right. uh, you know, you are, are like our, our best when I think in the last episode, what we, one of the things we talked about, what our last episode on, uh, Hegel on uh, the phenomenology. We talked about the, uh, the, the dirty truth as in truth has to have dirt on it. It's not yeah. this, it, it like, like what, yeah. what Hegel is, is pushing back against is uh, like this notion of purity uh, that, that like the, the, the true thing is this pure thing that is like, you know, untouched by, uh, by human hands and, and, and our like uh, proclivities to, uh, to, to do evil perhaps. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not, that's not truth. That's like, I mean, I think you and I would probably say like, that's fetish. That's right. Like, that's right. fetishizing, you know, right. you know, uh, something and it, it, it's ideological. Um, but for, for Hegel, it, it's a, it's a complete turning away from, uh, from truth as such, which needs to have those two things leaning on each other, which is that like, again, the, the debased aspect leans on the divine and the divine aspect leans on the Absolutely. Debased. Right. That's why. Yeah. And it's interesting too, how he comes back to, you mentioned how the pre- like he's always returning to the preface, and he he returns back to this to death here, right toward the end of this section, mm. how mm-hmm. it's the death of the individual, the death of the individual figure of Christ, that actually mm-hmm. gives birth to the universality of spirit. So I think that this the the part of what revealed religion is is hanging on to the divine through the horror of death, right, and that's the mm. that I think mm-hmm. is really. You know, again, I think there's all kinds of ways in which organized religion fetishistically obscures this, right? Like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, the easiest one is the way in which Good Friday gets minimized and Easter gets 
celebrated, right? Maximized. Yeah. Maximized, right, Maximized, right, yeah. right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that yeah. seems like that's one of just one of the ways that the like the death is what's really the thing that forges the universality and the resurrection is for Hegel almost an it's not totally an afterthought because it's the resurrection of the spirit, right? It's the resurrection mm. of the of the universal community that emerges out of out of the out of the death of Christ. So I think that that's really for him, uh, like that 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 sort of encapsulates what he's going after with this idea of the divine and the debased coming together, right? Like the 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 in, the individual. The particular dies so that the universal can can live, and I think that and and can live in a singular form, and that's what I think is really important for him. That it's not it's not like this. What would you call it? Stalinist. The individual yeah. has to die so that the the, the collective right. can live. No, it's it's the you know the, the particular dies so that the universal can give birth to the singular, right? So it's mm. it's not mm. just it's not just we lose ourselves in the collective, that there actually becomes... And it, if you see Christianity as a kind of foreshadowing of modernity, I think that is, the, like, the notion of the singular figure of the subject is born out of that, you know, out of the mm. death of Christ. I think that's what Hegel's idea is. He would want, like, the, if you're going to look at the resurrection, the resurrection should... Uh, make you pay attention to the death and right. bodily very well aspect. Put. Yeah, 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 very well put. Yeah, very well put. Yeah. So I, I wonder though, since we mentioned so many films, I, it, it has to be a certain one, doesn't it? What the lesson? It's got to be one? Milky Way. Yeah, I think it's right. Milky Way. The lesson for, is for watch sure. Milky Way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a it. tough one to, to track down. Maybe, maybe it's on Criterion. Yeah, I think there's a Criterion of it. Yeah. Hey, hey! This is a special little uh, end of the episode thing that we have never, ever done before. I want to mention two things, plug two things. We never normally do these things, but special circumstances. First thing, um, I had a really awesome conversation with uh, Matthew Bieberman, professor at Louisville, uh, uh, talking about the um, uh, Louisville uh, Literature Conference. And so we had this whole conversation about um, how to uh, write for uh, grad student conferences. If this is something that is of interest to you, please listen to that. Link is at the bottom of this episode. Um, it's both for grad conferences generally and also this specific one. So he's looking forward to uh, hopefully getting some uh, abstracts from people. And then also you and I are doing something That's in right. Europe in November, aren't we? Why don't you talk about are. that for a second? So we're going to be in the Netherlands doing the yeah. Impact Festival. And we will be doing, I think it's going to be a live broadcast of why theory from the impact festival so yes for some reason they want us to do that and we <laughs> obliged <laughs> we are yeah we're super happy to do it if uh, anyone is in the uh sorry for the snap of my pen just a second ago to anyone listening um if anyone's going to be in the uh the netherlands uh, the uh the greater uh, utrecht area if i've said that properly uh from the third of november to the fifth or the second fifth, to the fifth Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Then uh, we're going to be there. We would love to see you. Over and out, Ryan. <laughs> Over and out, Todd. <laughs>